The plain truth is that many more women listen to this radio broadcast than men. Now, we don't believe it should be that way, but since it is, today's program will be a special treat for our predominantly female audience. But if you're a man, you also will benefit greatly by what you'll hear today. The Proverbs 31 Woman. That should be every man's dream. We'll be talking to a lady today that exemplifies the Proverbs 31 woman. So regardless of your gender, we hope you'll stay tuned to today's edition of Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and with their families. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach, and uh, we try to take what goes on inside the gates of Shepherds Hill outside to equip you to be a better parent, the type of parent God would want you to be, a parent who can uh, lead one's child out beyond the need for residential care. And Trace, we talked a moment ago about uh, Proverbs 31 women. I know some of these women, and I have to repeat my statement, that really ought to be every man's dream. Yeah, and why wouldn't it be, Rich? I mean, we're talking about women that, that know God and who understand their God-given role within his ecosystem. Right. Uh, that ought to be gold for any man who uh, who knows and desires to fulfill the will of God in, in his own life. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, that if I were designed by God to be my wife's helpmeet, that, that I'd follow her lead. But since that's not the case, here's the thing. She's much more gifted in certain areas than I am, which is why I've delegated to her certain things uh, within our family. I mean, these are also the things that she fortunately likes to do and, and uh, gladly accepts. In these areas, uh, I actually follow her lead. Uh, but I first had to be in a position to to make that decision. You know, somebody's got to be the head, right? Right. Uh, it's been said that something without a head is dead, and something with two heads <laughs> is a freak. Uh, Beth likes paying bills, which is why I haven't paid a bill in 35 years. Wow. Well, it's a good thing she earns all the money. And, you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's a weird thing about that, though. It is all about teamwork. It really and, is. And uh, God holds the man accountable to be the mm-hmm. head of the house, but that doesn't mean that God sets the man up to be the tyrant. Well, you look at a guy like uh, uh, President Obama, our, our president. Uh, you know, he delegates things out to people who are more gifted and talented and experienced in those particular lanes of government. Uh, yet they they ultimately have to answer to him. I mean, he, he's the boss. And in the course of being, uh, process of being the boss, he's still the ultimate servant. We're actually his boss. That's right. He has to answer to us. We Likewise, in the family situation, we have to answer to God. Yeah, and our parents and our kids. That's true. Well, we have a lady today who may well exemplify the Proverbs 31 woman. She's been at least uh, the rallying cry for women leading the life of a Proverbs 31 woman for years. Phyllis Schlafly has been a national leader of the conservative movement since the publication of her best-selling 1964 book, A Choice, Not an Echo. She's been a leader of the pro-family movement since 1972 when she started her national volunteer organization now called Eagle Forum. You can find her online, by the way, at eagleforum.org. Mrs. Schlafly's monthly newsletter is called the Phyllis Schlafly Report, now in its 41st year. Her syndicated column appears in 100 newspapers. She also has radio commentaries that are heard daily on 460 stations, and her radio talk show on education called Eagle Forum Live is heard weekly on 45 stations. Both can be heard on the Internet as well. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly has authored and edited uh, 20 books on subjects as varied as family and feminism, nuclear strategy, 
energy, education, childcare, and even phonics. Her most recent book is The Supremacists, The Tyranny of Judges, and How to Stop It. So, Trace, we could go anywhere with this conversation, but we're not going to. We're going to welcome Phyllis Schlafly on to talk about living the life of the Proverbs 31 woman in today's culture. Mrs. Schlafly, uh, it is an honor and a privilege uh, to be talking with you today. Thank you for being on the License to Parent broadcast. Thank you. I'm happy to join you and congratulate you and thank you for your wonderful mission in this life. Well, likewise, ma'am. You lived uh, during an incredible season of change for American culture, uh, particularly for women. Uh, You were a young lady in uh, in a day that Tom Brokaw referred to as the greatest generation. Uh, Have our values and morality really descended as much as we think since then or it's really just a matter of, like many claim, uh, just we're hearing about it more or, or because of technology. What, what is your take on that? Well, the, the um, United States became the greatest generation when we were basically a two-parent family. Uh, mothers and fathers. The mm-hmm. father was the provider. The mother was the uh, homemaker. And uh, we uh, were a self-contained economic unit. Right. Uh, we got along okay. We get, came through the Great Depression and and we built this wonderful country. And uh, the biggest thing that has happened to our country is a decline in intact marriages. I agree. And uh, the, the, the problem is kids don't have a mother and father, and they both are necessary. And uh, the broken families are just a terrible disaster to our country. Yeah, I think all you have to do is look at the inner city and see what's going on there. Uh, but no one. Well, it started in the inner city. We know there was that uh, well-known psychologist who wrote about it uh, during the Lyndon Johnson administration, which was when it started, mm-hmm. because that's when the taxpayers' money began flowing to the mother, to the move to the woman, and you gave all the money to the woman, the father became irrelevant. And men need to have a mission in this life. And their mission was to be a provider since they weren't needed anymore. They were dancing on down the street having fun with the boys. Yeah. And and so there was actually an incentive for women to have... Uh, children without a husband, and and more children got them more government money, and uh, the snowball just uh, took off from there. Am I right or wrong? That's uh, absolutely right, and that's what I wrote about in my book called Who Killed the American Family? Mm. It's not just the gays. Uh, I have a chapter on the financial incentives, which are very powerful in uh, destroying the family. Mm Mm-hmm. What specifically, what's the, the, the one thing that the woman's movement has done to draw females away from being what Scripture would call the Proverbs 31 woman? Well, there are a number of factors, uh, which I have a chapter on each one in my book. But uh, uh, one of them, for example, uh, is the attempt to get the government to take over the raising of children. Mm-hmm. This is why you have this tremendous drive for uh, government daycare. Mm, right. uh, they are teaching young women that the care of a baby is a demeaning occupation for an educated woman. Is that just to draw money to the government? Is that, is, is that their way of, of uh, getting us out of our national debt? Well, it's a way of getting more uh, people working so you have more taxpayers mm-hmm. and uh, you have more money flowing to the government and the government uh, having the right to spend it. And as, instead of the families uh, deciding how they want to spend their own money. Okay. And they they keep and you hear them if you listen to them they they want to overthrow the patriarchy. Yeah. Now, oh, 
we, we, we think the father is the necessary part of our society. It was when we had the, the traditional family with the father provider and the mother homemaker that we grew to be the greatest generation. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the factors in this has been free trade that has shipped uh, most of these $50,000-a-year jobs overseas. I agree. Boy, I agree. Uh, and when, the, when that uh, father uh, can't get a job anymore or can only get a minimum wage job, then that means the mother has to go into the workforce. Yeah. So she's paying her tax uh, money to the federal government, and uh, they're just running, running our lives. Yeah. I'm curious about this. Uh, there, there is a big um, a rally cry in our country that, that says you have to have a two-income family. Husbands have to work. Women, you know, the wives have to work. Kids have to be in daycare. Uh, personally, my life has not gone that way. My wife and I decided to be a one-income family, and that's the way it's been. But what about the families where, for example, the wife has the better job opportunity and the dad stays home? Do you have any thoughts on that? Is that a problem, or would that be an acceptable solution? Well, it's not a problem with me, but uh, it's a matter of individual choice. Uh, there, there may be a few couples that would like it that way, uh, but uh, it, it's not really the norm. But uh, it's a free country. If the, if the man wants to stay home and the wife has a better job, maybe that's right for them. These should be individual choices. They should not be government choices that force right. them. What, what about, though, uh, this, this whole aspect of both husband and wife have to work outside the home? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, have to work. That means uh, who's going to take care of the babies? Because the baby uh, is a helpless little creature. And need somebody looking after him. Now, uh, if if the mother and father are not doing that, uh, then uh, the, the taxpayers have got to provide it. And this is what most of the welfare system is. It's providing what should be defi- provided in the home, but isn't. So uh, the taxpayers are doing yeah. it. And this raises the taxes on everybody and and um, makes sure that uh, the wives are in the workforce. Well, you can call me a male chauvinist if you like, but I believe that God has wired women up to be the nurturers, uh, to be the ones to uh, take care of, uh, of things at home domestically. I think there's more in general, generally speaking. I know there's exceptions to every rule, and I'm I'm certainly open to uh, stay-at-home fathers if 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 all the other dynamics uh, you know work out for that to be. But I think in general. I think uh, we, we are kind of messing with God's ecosystem. I keep using that word, but I don't know how else to explain it. When, when mothers uh, feel like they have to work outside the home just to be accepted in society, I think that's, that there's, there's some uh, damage going on with the connection, that, that uh, deep spiritual, emotional connection between parent and child, especially during those formative years. Does that make me a male chauvinist, uh, Mrs. Schlafly, because I believe that? Well, I'm not going to call you any nasty names, and I don't, don't really think that the women should do that, but they are doing that. They, they have targeted men as the enemy, right. and uh, they're all, all the time yapping about the danger of patriarchy. And I'll tell you a funny little story. I, uh, the, uh, some of these young feminists who don't know anything, they'd say, well, did you let your husband make all of the the major decisions. Oh, yes, I said. I let him make the major decisions. For example, one of his things was he didn't want to serve any potatoes unless they were fully baked. 
So we didn't have mashed potatoes or other things because he only liked baked potatoes. And uh, I observed that, that that was his view. And, you know, these young women are so funny. They just think, how could you put up with that indignity? Well, (laughs) there are a lot more important (laughs) things in life than that. If he wanted baked potatoes, I was going to give him baked potatoes. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. What what counsel would you give a woman who, who feels like she has to work outside the home? Uh, and, and, and keep her child in daycare just to make ends meet? Well, first of all, look for some other family resource. Okay. Has she got a mother? The kid got a grandmother? Yeah. Uh, okay. Look for a family resource. That's, that, that's, that's the best I thing. would say look okay. for a church resource. And uh, I grew up during the Great Depression, and, and it was necessary for my mother to take a job so that we could eat. Yeah. Right, and, but but the uh, family was intact back then. You would just the family said, was intact, and now, now these, these these people sometimes the family is not intact. There, there's no family to uh, go to. They 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 may have to go to their church family. The church has, in many ways, abdicated its opportunity and responsibility in not coming along to be the extended family in some cases. We do say, well, if the family can't do it, then the government has to do it. Mm-hmm. And when we when we get to that point. The church has completely removed itself from a great opportunity to minister to those in need. We need to take a quick break. Unfortunately, the time does fly by when we're having fun, and we are today in chatting with Phyllis Schlafly from eagleforum.org. She is our guest today on Licensed to Parent, and the conversation will continue right after this. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the Internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org.
Welcome back. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And our guest today is Phyllis Schlafly. You can find her online at eagleforum.org. And uh, Trace, this is a real treat to have Phyllis Schlafly with us today. Absolutely is. Mrs. Schlafly, uh, what, what counsel would you give a woman whose who's Christian husband demand that she gets a job outside the home uh, during this, you know, this critical time of child rearing. The kid's uh, still in diapers, and, and he feels like he needs uh, uh, help uh, breadwinning, and he's a Christian. And when, Well, you've got to get along with your husband, that's, uh, if, uh, but then who, who's going to take care of the baby? Mm-hmm. Because the baby is a helpless creature who needs some adult uh, supervision. And uh, uh, I, uh, so that's, uh, uh, that's something they've got to work out between them. I, it's not mm-hmm. something I should decide. Trace, you know, years ago, Larry Burkett wrote a book called Women Leaving the Workplace, mm-hmm. and he outlined some of the costs just thinking about of, of uh, actually going through this process and really counting the costs before you feel that you have to enter mm-hmm. the workplace because you, you, yeah. don't, you don't net your whole salary when you're paying for no, child care exactly and all right. the other stuff like that. Uh, yep. I, no, somebody wrote a book called The Two-Income Trap because, of course, once you've got the two incomes, uh, You've got to have a bigger house, and mm-hmm. you you've got to pay pay for that, and and you've got to have to go out and get your meals out. You know, when yep. I was growing up, uh, I think I can only remember one time in my whole growing <laughs> up years that we ever went to a restaurant. Yeah. Well, well I, I can tell you when my wife and I first got married, naive youngsters that we were, we lived the lives that our parents had lived, and both my parents worked, and so my wife and I got married, youngsters making no money. We ate out a lot. In about a year's time, we were about $12,000 in debt. No joke. It took us five years yeah. of peanut butter to get out of that. Yeah. And then when you did go through a drive through uh, you didn't dare ask what you wanted to order. Uh, you got what mom and dad threw back there. And you know, it wasn't very often you went out, but uh, you ate it, and you were happy to, happy to have it. Uh, Phyllis, it's, it's been said that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Right. What role does exhaustion play in a parent's inability to properly connect and command respect from their children today? Well, I, I think it's important for them to be busy. Uh, you know, when my, uh, my son, one of my sons uh, started to go away after he got out of school, and, and I said, why don't you go on out uh, with your old schoolmates, your high school, who always said all they want to do is go out and drink. I said, how come you don't want to just go out and drink? Well, he said, Mother, I've thought about that. And I think when they came home from school, they saw their parents and they, uh, they lounged around in the, the home and they had a drink and, and uh, they just didn't do much of anything the rest of the evening. And I watched my parents and they just kept working all through the evening. And I thought that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily uh, talking about being busy, but too busy, exhausted, overextended, where you're taking your kids to, to Little League and this one's got dance practice and and uh, you're, you're multitasking on your cell phones and and you're trying to make all your, your appointments and you got church activities and before you know it you don't have enough energy to tell junior it's time to, to get off his video game and brush his teeth for bed uh, and he tells you you know where to go and you don't want to get off the couch what's that parent supposed to do you don't want to deal with that 
Well, bringing up children is the most important job in the world. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's the job that God gave you, and, and uh, you ought to find a place for doing what's necessary for the kid. So you're basically saying put some margin back in your life. Something's got to get cut out of your, out of your busy schedule to, to be able to parent the way you should be. Well, how much of parenting success is determined by the, by the healthy and godly relationships between man and wife or, or mother and father? Well, of course, it's important that they get along and uh, uh, realize that the, the man, the husband and wife grew up in different families with some kinds of different values. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's necessary that they make certain compromises to uh, get along. And that's necessary. Mm-hmm. And as I say, I grew up during the Depression. We had a lot of problems that people today don't have. And uh, we, but we stuck together. That's the there was never any talk about any uh, weaving the, the family or guilt, ch- changing it or anything else. Mm-hmm. We uh, we stuck together and we survived. We grew up to be the greatest generation. So you're right back to family again. I, I, yeah, I don't we've that. seen that in the school. The kids who have the good fortune to have a mother and father to, yeah. to run their home are going to do better in school. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about the values that you grew up with back in the Depression and whatnot. Are those values, uh, the ideas of how you were raised back then, are those still valid? Are they old-fashioned? Do they need to be brought up to the modern age? Well, I, I, I really don't see uh, any, any big difference. Uh, the first thing, you make, make use of the time that uh, the Lord has given you. Mm. And, and uh, uh, just don't waste your time. I mean, we, we, we didn't go out to eat in restaurants. We didn't... Uh, we occasionally we went to a movie if there was a good one. We went particularly on a Tuesday night when they gave away free dishes. That's the way we filled up our kitchen. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so you you make you make these adjustments. Wow. You you suddenly reminded me as a, as a little boy. I remember going to the various gas stations that would give away uh, dishes or glasses or say, there was always some premium gift that came with buying a, a tank of gas. Uh, or the mm-hmm. the stores that would give out like S and H green stamps and and whatnot. There there, there oh, was. Oh yes, eagle stamps. I saved uh, absolutely lots of books with eagle stamps. Absolutely, I hate to say it. My grandfather smoked like a chimney, but his cigarettes had some great trading stamps that came with them. So I, I don't <laughs> know. Must have been Chesterfields. Uh, little, it was. Yeah, it was. It was some luxury merchandise. Because stamps. my grandfather smoked Chesterfields. Absolutely, and I, I still have the lung problems today. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Schlafly, as it pertains to women, uh, why, why is mother Motherhood and grandmotherhood not considered as highly esteemed? Well, I think that's the result of the feminists. I think the feminists have been a very evil influence in our society. Mm-hmm. And they've made women unhappy. They've made them believe that we are victims of the patriarchy and that we're mistreated. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, if you know anything about the world, that the American woman is the most fortunate creature who ever lived on the face of the earth. So quit complaining. If you wake up in the morning thinking you're a victim and the whole world's against you, you probably are not going to accomplish anything. It's just the feminist movement has been such a bad influence on women, and it's most unfortunate. Now, do you think they've done anything good? Because, I mean, you've got to go back to, okay, what about voting? I mean, certainly you, you, you don't think women should not be allowed to vote, do you? Women, women should vote, of course, but that's not no—that's not thanks to the feminists. 
Okay. Uh, that was that happened before the feminist movement was invented. Okay. So you you're going back more toward the the 60s. And I, maybe I'm blurring the lines between the suffrage movement and the feminist movement. Uh, feminists, you would probably say, uh, uh, believe that women are actually superior to men. Would I be wrong in saying that? Well, the main thing is they think they don't need men. Oh, I see. And get out of the way because they're oppressing women. And that's all false. Right. No, I, I, I agree with that. But I, I, I can't say that like you can say that because uh, uh, we, we've, you know. Well, we beat them in the, their main uh, legislative goal, which was the Equal Rights Amendment. It turned out to be a 10-year battle. Uh, but we did uh, defeat them on that. And we had everybody against us. Phyllis, are, are there any up-and-coming young women that you see now that you think we ought to watch out for as being good models of doing it the right way? Well, the really uh, really successful women like Margaret Thatcher and, and uh, the woman who's the, uh, the head of Germany. Yes. Uh, uh, they're not feminists. They'll say they're not feminists. And they don't agree with the feminism because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got my college degree in uh, 1944 and my mother got her college degree in 1920 what's the problem other women could have done that Mm -hmm. but they didn't do that those opportunities are all there for women just take advantage of them yeah Mm -hmm. well you make a great point i mean i i have (laughs) no arguments with any of that uh what impact did the birth control pill have on motherhood uh women in general and in the american culture well of course the the trauma of killing your own unborn baby is just uh, has a has a tremendous effect on women, and uh, of course it's reduced the population, and uh, it's uh, reduced the family, and uh, I mean when I was growing up I had six children, and almost everybody I knew had six children. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. don't find so many families like that anymore, but they're a great joy. Yeah. I wouldn't give up any of the six. Right. No. Right. We, well, J- Rich and I have had five, so you, you beat us. But, well, not, uh, not together. He's had five, <laughs> and I've had five. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it used to be where every child was considered uh, an asset, even a financial asset, especially when you lived in, in the uh, rural areas. Uh, but uh, today, they're considered financial liabilities, and I think that we, can, we, we should uh, be able to turn that around even today. But let me ask you this, because we're only... Get, we only have a few seconds left. What would be the single greatest piece of advice uh, that you can give to wives and mothers that would cause their husbands and their children to, as the, the proverb, uh, Proverbs 31 woman, rise up and call them blessed. Rise up and call them blessed. Well, yes. If you look to the Lord for the solutions to a lot of these human problems, and, and he's got the answers, and uh, I... Uh, I just God designed designed the family as the way to continue civilization, and uh, I think we ought to follow His plan. It's uh, it certainly produces the most happiness. The, the people I see who are happy are people who have intact families. Mm. But you've got to you've got to make an investment in it. You've got to right. you, you've got to do the hard work that makes it happen. Yeah. Mm. It won't, it won't just, it's not something that's handed down. And the history proves you right, ma'am. Absolutely. Our guest today on License to Parent has been Phyllis Schlafly. Phyllis's monthly newsletter is called the Phyllis Schlafly Report, now in its 41st year. She's also the uh, host of a daily radio commentary heard on 460 stations and of a radio talk show on education called Eagle Forum Live, now heard weekly on 45 stations. Both can also be heard on the internet at 
at eagleforum.org. Mrs. Schlafly, also the author or editor of 20 books on a wide variety of subjects. You can find them online at eagleforum.org as well. Mrs. Schlafly, thank you so much for being a part of this program. It's been a real honor to speak with you. Well, God bless you for talking about the family and its importance. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And remember that you can learn more about Licensed to Parent and our outreach to troubled teens and their families at LicensedToParent.org. As we've said in the past, running a full-time residential program for teens and producing a national radio broadcast can both be very costly. And in order to help families in all economic strata, we need your help. We want to be able to help folks who cannot afford to come here and get this help on their own. In order to do that, we need your one-time or monthly tax-deductible contributions to Licensed to Parent. That will help fund the Shepherd's Hill Scholarship Fund, which enables more families to benefit from our outreach. You can learn more and give today when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Along with Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you back again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.